On this week's episode of Read, Watch, or DNF, we travel down the backwood dirt roads in Georgia and follow Miss Seeley as she deals with every trauma imaginable to a woman in her origin story, because that's really what it is, written by Alice Walker, The Color Purple. And we ask the question, does Hollywood hate men more than Alice Walker? Also, we got to give it to 1980s Hollywood to just gloss over and ignore the sapphic points to this book. I actually have a little tidbit of information later on about that. You do? Yeah. Content warning. Uh, this this got a lot, all right? You got the racism. You got the colonization, too, because we're going to talk a little bit about Southern Africa. There's uh, incest-ish. It, it starts off as incest, so we'll go with that. Yeah, perceived yeah. incest, but perceived even in... In the book, there's a situation later on where they send uh, Squeak to go talk to. Oh yeah, her incest, uncle. incest, yeah, still gross, and uh, the the abuse and the rape and a lot of domestic violence. It's just, it's not good. We said Everywhere. every imaginable trauma, so we mean it. Welcome back, everybody. Mel B, Jackie D here. Uh, we're making our way through my birthday picks. This week, we are jumping into a modern classic. Last week was an actual classic uh, that I probably watched at way, way, way too young of an age. Yeah. But it stuck with me. Color Purple is a big part of uh, my growing up. I think it's definitely had had a, you know, an effect on myself as a woman now but you know it left it left an imprint it did it left its mark for sure mm-hmm. uh, unlike our last episode where my all of my birthday dreams and wishes and hopes and desire, it was all crushed <laughs> uh this week uh, i think we have some surprises for everyone so you know get comfy keep doing whatever you're doing i don't know just maybe you're driving maybe don't get too comfy uh but anyway just get ready listen up also, if you haven't already, like always, you know, follow, share, like, comment, all that jazz on whatever platform you're listening to us. And, uh, you know, the social medias, because we're supposed to do that. So we're there. You're welcome. And our, we are dedicating all of our F-bombs this week to all of the listeners who actually noticed that we were on vacation and weren't posting. We don't deserve you. A funny story about that. My sister called me a few minutes ago, and I told her that we were going to be recording. She goes, uh, you guys are a little bit behind. <laughs> we're so. sorry, Mo. We're trying, we're trying to have a vacation. Like, yeah. And then we had no internet. And then there was a storm. Like, shit happened. <laughs> Jesus. It was more than just dogs barking this time. Yeah. It was, it was a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, what do we got going on for our drinks this week, Jackie? Uh, Well, currently I am consuming a Jack Daniels Tennessee Honey Lemonade. Bought it at Target. It was on sale. It's real nice. It was real nice, real sale. It's real cheap. Uh, But prior to that, we went to a lovely establishment in downtown Haymarket. And uh, I had a, a little bit of the... Double X's, the Dos Equis. The double X's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, had a sangrita on the rocks, and we'll we'll post a picture of this, but the way they served it was fantastic because it's literally just like 
the margarita first, and then they just put the sangria on top of it, so it creates this layered look. It was pretty. Then I mixed it up, and of course it comes like in that huge fishbowl Mexican's goblet. Goblet, yeah. <laughs> um, and if I, not that anyone really needs to know this, but I was getting over some food poisoning or something, so I had expelled everything from my stomach and hadn't eaten. Uh, so that was the first thing I got my hands. <laughs> today and I went a little ham and realized that um, I was drunk. I was way too drunk for the time of day it was. So I have a little bit left over in me, but I'm picking it back up with also the Jack Daniels Tennessee Honey Lemonade. But because I am a bitch, Jackie went ahead and got me some of these fizzy sparkling lemonade, whatever they are, drinks. And I just poured that on top. So it's good. But, you know, it says no added sugar, so it's just the flavor. And that's, that's good. Yeah. So natural that, sweetness. Natural sweetness on top yeah. of the uber sickening sweet honey in the whiskey. Lovely. Lovely. Mm-hmm. And as we promised you in the last episode, Jackie did find a drinking game, which we did not think was going to happen. Um, also, don't really think it's appropriate, but Jackie has some notes. Uh, okay, I'm really hesitant about sharing this, uh, just just because, like Mel said, don't really think it's appropriate for this book. It would have been much more appropriate to come up with a drinking game for the Secret Garden. Yeah, because the while there is, yeah, while there is some neglect and racism and stuff like that, it generally doesn't beat you down and. I mean, Mel can tell you this, or I'll just come out and tell you this. When we were watching the movie, at the end, I looked at her, and I'm like, I'm not crying, you're crying, as I'm wiping the tears that are (laughs) running down my face off. (sighs) So we don't condone this. We don't, this is not ours. We just, you know, we give you a drinking game every every week, and um, Jackie did find one, but this is problematic. But here you go. And it was the only one that I found, so I do have just a little smidgen of hope left for humanity, but... Just a small bit. Very small one. So this is from Tumblr. It's called The Kelly Show. I don't know. Yeah, we didn't really understand it. We looked into it. They just call themselves The Kelly Show. Yeah. Okay, so take a drink every time a woman is oppressed. Take a drink every time Oprah makes an entrance. Mm -hmm. Take a drink... Every time a black woman sings, take a drink every time there is a horse, and drink through any scene involving a woman being beaten. What I gather from this, after having watched the movie, you are going to be drinking from the opening credits until the end credits. Yeah, you only have maybe like a few breathers every now and then. Yeah. But they're they're still the undertone of oppression. Mm-hmm. there so <laughs> yeah uh like i said maybe just stick to whatever oprah shows up or mm-hmm. you know uh, i don't know every time she screams harpo <laughs> yeah <laughs> that'd be good but maybe yeah. maybe you don't salute and drink to the women being beat and abused yeah. and oppressed no we don't we don't support that no. but you know you do you and we're gonna do mm-hmm. us and yeah. with that uh who read and who watched, or as I like to say, who read watched. This was the week um, Jackie watched first, but I've watched this movie 
easily a hundred times. Easily. So it didn't matter if I, if I read first or watched first. So Jackie and I watched it together. I think it was on HBO Max. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I also think I, I own it. So either way, mm-hmm. we would have been fine. So HBO Max, I think it's on um, that and Hulu? Somewhere. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, HBO Max. And of course, I read uh, this pretty paperback. This is a very, very pretty one. Um, it's like this sort of silhouette animation of, of I believe it's Celie and Shug, if not Celie and her sister, but I think it's Celie and Shug on the front. It's just, you know, pinks and tans and browns and purples. It's got little flowers. Hmm. It's pretty. It's a pretty book. Uh, I read the Kindle Unlimited. Yeah, you're part of that gang now. Yep, yep. Color purple and all the smut. I joined the club. (laughs) I wonder what kind of returns I'm going to get is based on what you've read between the color purple and the smutty smut. So, since Goodreads and Kindle Unlimited, obviously it's all Amazon, um, I noticed that the one time that I ordered Den of Vipers what two three years ago now mm-hmm. even before i got into the yeah even before i got into the like i don't want to call it like deep deep smut because from what i see on tiktok there are way more levels to this smut hell and i'm like maybe <laughs> i'm like the the top rungs of it so uh but so dead of vipers it, for anyone who doesn't know I ordered it because everyone was talking about it on TikTok a while ago, like a while ago, um, and I'm I hadn't read really anything like that, and it, everyone didn't say what it was about. They were just saying, "Oh my god, it's so great!" And the cover was kind of cool. And I did that thing where I judged a book by its cover, and I ordered it, and I read it, and then I made Jackie read it, and we've now been officially indoctrinated into the Smut Club. But what it, my point was is that even though. Everything else that I've read, like classics, you know, nonfiction, all this stuff that I've ordered off Amazon, the second I ordered that, that's the only thing that Amazon wanted to shove down my throat. <laughs> I mean, it gave me everything. It would be like maybe, you know, like um, maybe it would recommend the color purple, but then it would be like, or Ice Planet Barbarians, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> what? What is this? Where are my pearls so I could clutch them? But... <laughs> So now you're getting into the dark stalker vampire biker club romance. That is true. Everything Jackie yeah. just said is accurate. So <laughs> that is where yeah. I'm at. And we are far off topic. So yeah. <laughs> let's let's get let's... back into it and talk about what this story is about. Um, it doesn't involve bikers, vampires, stalkers, or anything of the such. So <laughs> yeah. anyway... The book. Okay. So if you were to pick this book up and looking for a synopsis, it kind of, most of the paperbacks and summaries of the story that I tried to get are, are more like they read like reviews because everyone's like, oh my mm-hmm. God, this book is so good. It is, but it's just, it's weird because it's not really a synopsis. It's more of a review. But this is what you're going to get if you look for the book. It says, a powerful cultural touchstone of modern American literature, the color purple depicts the life of of African-American women in early 20th century rural Georgia. Separated as girls, sisters Celie and Nettie sustain their loyalty to and hope in each other across time, distance, and silence. Through a series of letters spanning 20 years, first from Celie to God, 
then from the sisters to each other, the novel draws readers into a rich and memorable portrayal of black women. Their pain, the struggle, companionship and growth, resilience and bravery. Deeply compassionate and beautifully imagines, the color purple breaks the silence around domestic abuse and carries readers on an epic and spirit-affirming journey towards transformation, redemption, and love. Uh, so the story was first published in, the novel was first published in 1982 by Harcourt Brace Jovanovich, Jovo- Jovanovich, mm-hmm. Harcourt Brace Jovanovich, and then it was picked up by Penguin in actually 2019, so now it's a Penguin Random House publication, and that's the copy that I have. Um, so if anyone is not used to this style of a, of a novel. It's an epistolary type novel. And if you're not familiar with what that is, it means like, um, it's not narrated in the sense of like a traditional story. It's told through a series of letters slash journal entries, uh, that sort of thing. So you're going to get like the summary says like, dear God. And then, you know, like as if she's writing like a journal entry or something. So that's, that's how you're getting the story. So it's a first, First person limited. You're only getting Celie's perspective throughout the whole story, and you get some dialogue, but it's her retelling of dialogue. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. So very limited use of quotation marks. Yeah. Yeah. It's also written in the style where she's clearly not uneducated, but her education was very limited. Mm-hmm. Um, so spellings of words are a little off. It's not until you get to Nettie's letters to her where it's proper use of language. You know. Well, even that kind of progressed a little bit because yeah. when she, the first few letters from Nettie, uh, it's it's in the same vein or the same kind of feeling as the yeah. letters that Celie is writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then when she spends more time with uh, the people that she ends up with... Uh, the education kind of starts to really develop and her yeah. language develops as well. And even Celia's a little bit too, it, it grows. So I just thought that was fascinating because it's one thing to have an epistolary novel where you get these letters and stuff. Um, but to show the growth of characters, not only through what they're going through and how they react to things, but actually like how they're writing the language that they're using um, mm-hmm. The way they explain things, it's. I thought that was really clever, and it, it's so um, subtle too that you really have to pay attention to it, and you might kind of gloss over it. But it's something if you haven't read the book, or even if you have, maybe go back and reread it just for that because it's very interesting. So, I also thought that it was interesting that uh, at the beginning of the book, Celie's letters for the most part are pretty short. Yeah, and then they just start to get longer and longer as the book goes on. And as she grows, like, she's getting more mm-hmm. confident with things, and she's spending mm-hmm. more time, and she's expressing yep. herself more. So, yep. yeah. Okay, the movie, and I got this from IMDb, it's very short. A black Southern woman struggles to find her identity after suffering abuse from her father and others over four decades. I mean, it's not wrong. It's no. kind of... Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, the estimated budget was about fifteen million, but the worldwide gross was right around ninety eight point five million. So. I saw this and I was like, yeah. "Wow!" Because what was this nineteen eighty seven? It came out. This made almost a hundred million dollars. But here's here's the thing. Also, the worldwide gross was almost exactly the same as the U.S. gross. So I yeah. wonder what the worldwide distribution of this movie was. Yeah, I, I don't think it was that far. Yeah. 
But that's that's massive. Almost yeah. $100 million, basically in the United States, yeah. in the 80s. U.S. and Canada. U.S. and Canada, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, that's great. Yeah. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg won the part of Celie in her audition for Steven Spielberg by doing a comedy act she had developed about a stoned E.T. getting arrested in Oakland, California for possession. The audition was attended by many of Spielberg's famous friends, including Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson. Because, you know, at that point, this was her debut. Like, she was yeah. just a comedian Yeah. before this. I don't think she was in anything big, but this was so different. And, I mean, she proved yeah. it. She's like, "Oh yeah, hold my beer. I got this. Yeah. Yep, yep. Just sit back and relax and watch. <laughs> and apparently there was some contention between... It was a very understated, low-level feud between her and Oprah Winfrey. Oh, I could because, see that. Yeah, because during one of the scenes... Uh, I can't remember exactly what scene it was, but apparently when uh, Spielberg called Cut... Oprah went over to uh, Whoopi Goldberg, hugged her, and said, congratulations, you're now an actor. And apparently Whoopi Goldberg was like, uh, bitch, this is your first movie, too. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Ugh. Drama. Drama. That's very, that's very strange. Yeah, yeah. Um, And this... uh, Referencing your your intro comment, Steven Spielberg admits that his greatest mistake in directing this film was his lack of courage portraying the lesbian relationship between Seeley and Suge. Mm-hmm. At the time of filming, Spielberg felt that overly ov- overt sexuality between the two characters would alienate audiences, a decision he now regrets. So, even in the book, it's not that like explicit and it's not that it's not graphic at all mm-hmm. and it doesn't even seem like it's I, I don't know like I wouldn't say this would be you know the epitome of a lesbian love story by any means so I, I just the most you get of that is when Celie is talking about how much she loves Shug and it's obviously more than a friendship thing yeah, like they're definitely, and yeah. there's definitely some physical stuff that's alluded to. It's never like mm-hmm. explicitly said, but yeah, it's just she, she loves her. You know, like I, I didn't really know. I don't think there's anything extremely sexualized about that. But you know, yeah. I, I get it because 1987. So figure the mid 80s are doing this. I mean, that it, it, it still, it still wasn't widely accepted. Mm-hmm. You know. So. I mean, in some areas down south, it still isn't. But. Yeah, and then they're portraying this. It is in Georgia, where that was definitely not okay. So yeah, yeah, okay. My final little tidbit is the movie was then adapted into a musical on mm-hmm. stage, mm-hmm. and that musical is now being adapted into a movie that will be released next year. So a musical movie. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I've never yeah. seen the on-stage one, but I've heard really good things about it. Yeah, uh, I think it's supposed to be released in December of next year. Hmm. So it might be in pre-production right now. Who I would really be interested to see this on stage. I just don't know how I would react to it. Mm-hmm. But I've been surprised before. So Yeah, and apparently a lot of the lyrics are taken directly from lines in the book. Oh, I can see that. Movie. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. 
Well, speaking of the book, uh, why don't we talk about uh, these reviews? So the book on Goodreads, user reviews, uh, had over about 20,000 reviews, and it's 5.25 out of 5. So overall, people enjoyed this book. And I think it's a genuine uh, enjoyment of the book. It's not like The Little Women where it's like, it's a classic. I think people actually that read this and enjoyed it really did enjoy it because the Mm -hmm. people that didn't are quite honest and I picked up some reviews here that I'm going to review to read I should say uh, where they didn't give it great scores and they were very honest about the review but it was also pretty respectful mm-hmm. so I was like oh okay so 5 out of 5 I have 2 here the first one is a excerpt from this longer review because they kind of just they did that thing in, in reviews where people like just retell the story and that, I just need everyone to do better because I don't need you to retell the story to me. Because mm-hmm. if I'm going to read it, I'll know what the story is about. I just need you to tell me, did you like it? Maybe why you liked it? Or you didn't like it? And then maybe why you didn't like it. But I don't even ask for that much sometimes. I'm just like, did you like it or did you not like it? I didn't like it. It was too long. Got it. Moving on. But you telling me the plot... Like, act per act. I don't need that. It's just mm-hmm. infuriating. And also, it's kind of like... I've had books spoiled like that, inadvertently, where it's not like a true spoiler, because Goodreads is actually pretty good about catching that, and then you can, people can mark it as a spoiler, so it kind of... Mm-hmm. It'll say it has spoilers. But some people just go so much into detail through the plot, it still spoils it, because you've literally just given me the whole book, and I don't need it. Anyway. This is why I avoided <laughs> reviews of Crescent City 2 before I finished it. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Apparently we had to not be on TikTok either if you were reading yeah. it when it released. But anyway, that's another soapbox for another day. First one, five out of five. What an incredible experience this is. It's such a hard book about persecution, and yet it's also about redemption. The book starts off in the darkest of places, and the light is shed more and more as the story goes on. The story is about the tough side of the human condition. And I think this, I think, this is what I need from a review right here. Mm-hmm. I get it. I, I have a little bit of what I should expect, and I is concise. And I think it's, this one's actually pretty accurate. Next one, five out of five. I thought this book was going to be too sad for me at first. However, I listened to the audiobook read by the author. Well, that's actually pretty cool. And by the time I finished, the only sadness I felt was that the book was over. See, that's another hmm. good review. You know, just you liked it, you enjoyed it, moving on. And I think that's that right there is a good mark of a good book. Mm-hmm. The fact that you finish reading it and you're like, I didn't want it to end or I, I'm so sad because now I have to walk away mm-hmm. and find something else to read. And if you're a mood reader, that's the worst. Because that'll just, <laughs> that'll set you down a deep, dark hole. And then you end up on Kindle Unlimited reading smut. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Or rereading Akatar. Yeah, anything. Anything to get that, like, yeah. that, that cleanser. For yeah. me, it's a little bit of the smut. Because I can read them super quick. Like, even a 400-page smut book, I'm done in, like, a day. I'm like, all right, I'm ready for some real literature now. (laughs) Okay, three out of five. The color purple wasn't bad, and I understand its significance, especially at the time it was published. However, I did not feel much, and I felt indifferent towards the characters, except maybe Nettie. Oh, that's interesting. 
The writing style certainly affected my experience, at first at least. I'm not an English native speaker, and reading the heavily accented words was a bit challenging at first. That I can see. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't have a good grasp in the English language, then this, I think, would be difficult to read. Yeah. It got better once I was used to it. It doesn't mean this is not a good book by any means. I get why it's beloved by many and women empowering for sure. It has powerful message and tackles many issues in society, but I kind of expected better. I don't regret reading it, but sadly, it didn't mean anything to me. After finishing it, I realized that it didn't leave anything with me and I'll be forgetting it eventually. Given the mostly positive reviews, I think everyone should read it and decide for themselves. But I wouldn't be personally recommending it for someone looking for a, you know, quote unquote, feminist and enjoyable book. Oh, that hurts a little bit. Mm. (laughs) I understand why objectively, I don't know why she keeps putting these words in quotation marks. Like, no, I don't understand why objectively it is beloved, but subjectively speaking, it was okay. And that's about it. So, but three out of five, that's a decent review. If you didn't really enjoy it. Okay. So one out of five. I feel like a bit of a Grinch for not liking this book, but it is what it is, and I'm obviously not going to hold back. I really don't know what exactly I was expecting, but it definitely wasn't this. I'll start with the format. I took an immediate dislike to the letter style of this format of the book. The dialect dialect was flat, and I noticed that became increasingly so as the book went on. Regardless, I think she meant dialogue, not dialect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Regardless of the fact that as the story developed, it moved on to letters between the characters instead. I do think this added in my detachment from the characters. None of the characters were likable. I mean, they all lacked depth of any sort and made one feel incredibly cast off from the story. I'm not even doing, uh, wait, I'm not even going to dwell on what I thought of Shug Avery. Ooh, okay. Mm -hmm. Nearing the end, I was practically counting pages, tremendously eager to finish, and that is never a good sign. I think the book had the potential to be good, and despite it gaining an award, it just didn't resonate with me. I'm just happy that I didn't spend money on it. Okay. I don't really think she said anything in there that was, like, trollish or mean, or he, or whatever it is. But, yeah, it just didn't resonate with them. Found out that this style of book is probably not the style of book for for her. Or him. And maybe even the subject matter. Like, listen, if you can't relate here jackie and i are both you know two white suburban women like we grew up in the suburbs of big cities and now we work outside of dc and we are um white and i don't think anything's going to change that (laughs) so we've been white for nearly four decades like uh, it's not changing uh but i think some of the stuff in the story i can't really relate to because you know i'm not a black woman living in turn of the century southern america like i can't relate to that but on other levels as a woman i think i still found things in these characters that i could relate to Mm -hmm. okay movie average on imdb 7.7 out of 10 and that's out of slightly over eighty six thousand ratings Uh, The highest was 8 out of 10 at 28.4%. Only out of those thousands and thousands of ratings, there were only 264 actual written reviews. Really? Yeah. So people just went in, assigned their star value, and then moved on. Maybe they're afraid to say anything. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Uh, 10 out of 10, an essential film. If I were to recommend films for educational purposes as well as sheer magnificence, 
I would put this film near the very top of the list, along with a few others. Examples would be The Best Years of Our Lives, Schindler's List, another Spielberg movie, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, The Lou Gehrig Story, and so many more. The color purple shows how much misery a courageous person can take and keep on living, and how that person can crawl out of the misery to absolute triumph. I don't cry often in public, but at the end of The Color Purple, I put my head down on the seat ahead of me and wept aloud from the heart. Nor was I alone, both men and women crying along with me. How this film failed to win any Oscars, I fail to see. Believe me. All caps. See it, please. Yeah, I think this movie uh, fell into that trap of... It's an all... I primarily majority there's a few white characters in it and casted white actors but it's primarily you know black cast mm-hmm. and that was yeah when did Denzel Washington win for glory that was, that was it was in the 90s, it was after right? that yeah. yeah it was after that because I know I was in middle school when that movie came out and believe me I've seen that movie yeah. a lot because that's a great uh, movie oh yeah it it's does a really watch was amazing, but like I, I yeah. think that was early '90s, so it was like this movie came out right before. It, I mean, the fact that Denzel Washington won first, you know, best actor or well, supporting actor, first black, that's like, ugh. like yeah. But in the yeah, 90s. this movie got <laughs> yeah, this movie got eleven nominations, and best director was not one of them, yeah, which is and insane. Didn't win anything, yeah. <sighs> yeah, I think okay. this really just like it won other awards. Like uh, Golden Globes and other things out there, it won a ton of other awards. But the Academy Awards, I think this really kind of shined the light on is kind of racist establishment mm-hmm. because if you can't even credit the white director for this movie, like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a shame. That's a real yeah. shame. Okay, next review is an eight out of ten. Spielberg surprises. Well, after a couple of average films with E.T. in Close Encounters... What? I would not consider E.T. an average film. Are you high? What the fuck? I think this is one of those people, and I don't want to call anybody names, but they seem like a pretentious movie watcher. Oh, go fuck yourself. They want the the fin at the end. Yeah. Fade to black, some Frenchman sitting at a cafe table smoking a cigarette. Fiend. Get fucked. E.T. was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Steven Spielberg gives us something that, to me, marks this as one of his greatest achievements. Here we see a story about real people facing real problems in the real world and their determination to overcome them. The story moves along gracefully as we see Seeley, portrayed lovingly by Whoopi Goldberg, struggle with an abusive husband, surrounded by people that don't love her, and the lost relationship with her sister. At times, it is rather hard to watch some of the scenes, as the subject material is rather heavy and dark for the first hour. But it is well worth it in the end. To me, Spielberg is at his best when dealing with reality instead of fantasy. That's why I put this film above his Alien movies. Mm. It may not be as popular or won as many awards, but it triumphs as a gripping human drama that we can all relate to in some way or another. Um, I'm going to put Poltergeist up there too. So Spielberg is amazing. I think I think the fact that he can take those f- 
fantasy type elements or science fiction type elements and mm-hmm. actually give you something that has meaning. Yeah. And is actually, a mark. When we were watching yeah. the, the history of horror, that's what they were talking about. It's like, you, you know, he made a, a, a horror film that mm-hmm. didn't feel like a horror film, even though it yes. was frightening. Yeah. Because he can do that. Yeah. He's so amazing. this person, please go fuck yourself promptly. I mean, the fact that they gave it an 8 out of 10 don't is... Don't care. A little bit better. No, don't care. Don't you dare blaspheme me, (laughs) E.T. Okay, and the final one is a 1 out of 10. And just FYI, this is the only 1 out of 10 review I found. It's Mm. the only one. Yeah. Mm. Rave reviews, question mark. I remember this coming out in 1985. It was all the rave. Tons of nominations for awards and an all-star cast of actors who were just starting out, only to become very well-known later. All-star director, I did not like this movie. I couldn't stand the pace of the movie. It was slow and boring. It wasn't the subject matter, which I thought was important to understand from a historical point of view. Maybe in a few more decades, I might appreciate it. All right. All right, characters and casting. There are a lot of fucking characters, but they're not like true characters because remember, this is just Celie talking about the people around her. You get some big ones like Mister, who's find out his name's Albert, Nettie, who is her sister. Mister being the the dude who marries her because I guess that was a thing back then where it's like, well, my wife died, I need another woman to be my mammy. Like mm-hmm. that was very strange. Like, the younger, the better. <laughs> like, oh, gross. Uh, so, Mr., that guy, Nettie, her sister, Suge is, this is a complicated relationship. So, Suge is, like, the mistress, but not mistress, because it's pretty open, of Albert. But she's, like, a singer and a floozy. And apparently, she's got some nasty woman's disease, because she works at <laughs> bars. <laughs> At least that's what the men folks say. The men the folk, yeah. So yeah. she's she's considered a loose woman with loose morals, but basically she's just a woman living her life the way she wants to. And sad. I honestly think that she might have had too much to drink. Yeah, she's definitely an alcoholic. She's she's hungover a lot. And <laughs> they're like nasty woman, nasty. I think actually she had tuberculosis because yeah, the the way she's sick and it, they say she gets over it, but do you get over that? Uh, my grandmother did. She was in a sanatorium in Germany in the 50s. Oh. My mom remembers taking her. Oh, okay. Uh, she got over it, but it did come back. Yeah, isn't that the thing? Like, you're always, like, a carrier or something after yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so she's got that. Um, we, it's implied in the movie, but it's really just set out, in fact, in the book that Suge has actually mothered three children with mm-hmm. Albert, but... Her kids live with her parents because she's got loose morals. I don't know. Uh, we have Sophia. That is the one that's played by Oprah. Sophia is the strong-willed woman that marries uh, Harpo. And I think mm-hmm. they're young when they get married. Yeah. I think she's like 15 or something. She's really young. Um, you get Harpo, who is Albert's oldest son out of the three that Har- that Albert had with his actual wife. So I guess in total he has six children. Three yeah. with Suge, three with his wife. So Harpo's the oldest son there. And then we have Celie's stepfather. 
And there's a lot of other characters that are very minor. Like, we have Squeak, and we have the the father. In the book, we have characters like the brother and sister of Albert that we don't get in the movie. And also Sophia's sisters, which you see a little bit whenever uh, she, she yeah. moves out. And but they're they much bigger in the her. book. Yeah. Because I think you and have Har- more time for that. In yeah. The book. Harpo is Oprah spelled backwards. It is. But his name's actually Harpo in the book. Yeah. Oh, we're getting a little off tangent, but I need to get this out before I forget. So, in the movie, when Albert first meets Sophia, and she's clearly pregnant, and Harpo's like, I want to marry your dad, and he's like, you think I'm going to let you marry my son because you in a family way? And she's like, I don't need you. Like, he lives here. Blah, blah, Like, that whole scene. So, um, he's like, how like how does Harpo know that he's the daddy? Because there's no other one. He says that well, you can't. women can't be trusted because they're open their legs for every Tom, Dick, and Harpo, and Harpo. he says. Yeah. So that was a change they made in the movie. But in the book, because I was waiting to see if he says that, but he does see Tom, Dick, and Harry in the okay. I was like, oh, that's clever. Oh, they changed it. Okay. Yeah, so you get a lot of these other characters in the book, but they're, they're very, very minor. And obviously the big ones in... Not in presence because they're not there, but they're always like in in the back of her mind, and she's always like thinking about them. Is clearly her children. She mm-hmm. has her her son and daughter Adam and Olivia, um, and then the Reverend and his wife who raise. So we never really have a lot of direct real interaction with any of those characters till the very 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 end. Um, but they're there, just floating around. No, and it's mainly also just Nettie writing about them. Yeah. So in the movie, we get more of them because we see them. But in the book, it's like they exist in their big part of the story because it has a lot to do with Celie and her backstory. But um, the like they're not present themselves, if that makes sense. I'm probably just rambling right now. Yeah, movie is essentially the same. You have Celie, Mr. Slash Albert, uh, Suge, Sophia, Harpo, Nettie. Um, I didn't include the stepfather father slash stepfather in there because you don't really get too much of him in the book you see him a lot more in the movie i think yeah i think you get like two two very very short glimpses of him in the beginning and then like he's dead (laughs) later on so we were talking earlier about the awards that this didn't win and it should have i think whoopi goldberg playing Seely, there really is no reason she should not have won best actress yeah. For this. She won Best Actress at other award shows, but not the Academy Awards, which I feel like is such a disservice. I don't even know what other movies were out at, at that time in 1985, um, but I really don't think any, whatever they were, like, compared to what Whoopi Goldberg did in this, no. And if you don't know who Whoopi Goldberg is, I really, I really don't know. Forrest Gump. <gasps> Stop it! 1885? Oh, for some reason my my phone thought I said 1990. Yeah, I was 95. like, no, no way. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Anyway. I was, I was older than five when Forrest Gump came out. And let's say that Forrest Gump did go up against The Color Purple. I think Tom Hanks would win Best Actor and Whoopi Goldberg still win Best Actress. Because yeah. um, what's her face that plays Jenny? Like, she's great and all, but if I had to put her up against Whoopi Goldberg as Seeley, nah. Okay, well, Purple Rain won for Best Original Song Score. 
1985. Okay, well, that was Prince. I'm like, yeah. Sally Field won Best Actress. Four. Places in the Heart. Which I have never heard of. Like, I love me some Sally Fields, but again, I don't think I've seen Place. She does have some movies where I could see it, but... Supporting actress was Peggy Ashcroft from A Passage to India, but that was the year that Amadeus came out. And F. Marie Abraham won for Best Actor for playing Salieri. That was a good movie, though. That was a really good movie. Fine. Yeah. Anyway, like I said, Whoopi Goldberg, the OG. I like your little note here that Sister Act 3 is in production. I love sister act <laughs> you that is that it's on disney plus now oh really Mm-hmm. one and two i wonder if i wonder if it's going to be released in theaters and disney plus at the same time mm. she did win for ghosts though she won an award an okay. academy award for ghosts but that was like in the 90s right yeah. early 90s. okay see that's what i think that's where we did the shift where hollywood's like eh, or i should say the sag um mm-hmm. I was like, uh, we should probably stop being a bunch of racist fucks. So, mm-hmm. I mean, good job, but you're a couple years too late. Albert, played by the amazing Danny Glover. Jackie put Lethal Weapon, of course. Wait, they're making another one? Yes, yes. <laughs> I saw that. And that's why I put this, the, the comment, when will it end? Oh, my God. Like, Hollywood has truly run out of original ideas. You know what Danny Glover just, was just in that um, he was hilarious? Him and Robert De Niro, because they're of the same generation. Uh, that bad grandpa. Oh, really? The, they're hilarious. They are so fucking funny. <laughs> you have Zac Efron with uh, Rob, Robert De Niro and Danny Glover. Danny Glover's part is a lot smaller, but Robert mm-hmm. De Niro and Danny Glover, oh my god. Like, these are men that are, like, have been in some just really amazing work. And here they are just playing the most debaucherous old men ever. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. And okay. can't forget Jumanji, the next level. Yes, Jumanji. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Glover's great. It, this, like that, was, it was odd seeing him in this type of role. It was early mm-hmm. on in his career, and he did it so well. But I always just see him as like you know from lethal weapon or or something yeah. funny um, yeah. but he he was amazing in it suge is margaret avery oh that's funny because they're suge yeah avery same last name yeah margaret avery a lot yeah. of tv i uh, a, a lot of tv in the 70s her like face looks so familiar i feel like i see it but i think maybe she, uh, maybe she just has a familiar well face. and even after this she she ended up doing a lot of like maybe one or two episode uh, for different series and stuff mm. like that. I think one of the ones that was listed was, well, one of the actors was in ER. So mm. a lot of these actors uh, ended up going into TV or coming from TV and just sticking with it. That makes sense. Um, yep. Speaking of TV, Oprah playing Sophia, yep, yep, yep. Miss Oprah Winfrey. Um, yeah. It's Oprah. Like, what do do we need to say much more? No. No. If you don't know, okay, uh, even international, if we, I know we have international listeners, um, I feel like you should also know who Oprah is, yeah. right? If you're not, she yeah. had a huge TV show, um, now she, she, I don't know what she does. She has she, a network, she yeah. owns Weight Watchers. <laughs> oh, that's uh, right. 
Yeah, she uh, has a magazine. She produces. Like, I think, because, you know, in IMDb, when you look at somebody's uh, filmography, it'll Mm -hmm. start with, you usually see um, actor roles Mm -hmm. first. Hers, it's producers because producer mm-hmm. because she has more stuff out there that she was a producer on instead of actually acting. Because it's Harpo Productions that she owns yeah. too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we don't need to talk anymore about Oprah. Oh, I like your little note: the unaccredited newsreader and Handmaid's Tale series. Yeah. yeah. The Hulu one. I, I could see her signing on. Like, I don't need anything. I just want to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, she's part of that group. Okay. And you have Harpo and Nettie. I don't know who these actors are, but Willard E. Pew? Pug? Pew, I Pew? think. Pew? Sure. Maybe. And then Nettie yeah. is... Oh my god, I'm going to butcher this name, Jackie. Uh, Akosua Busaya? Yeah, I want to say that sounds like like an African name. I think, you know... I'm going to look this up later, but she does kind of have an accent in the movie. Yeah, especially at the end... Yeah, when but even in back, the beginning, yeah. like, yeah. when she's screaming, it kind of slips out a little bit. I'm like, mm, okay. But she was great. I really don't know who she, who she is other than in this movie. Um, and it's the same actress that plays young Nettie and old Nettie. Yeah. She's from Ghana. Yeah. See, I know these things. There's not a ton that's different from the like the book to the movie i think spielberg and the screenwriters did a really good job of staying true to it to a point there were some weird changes that were made um and i have some questions about it first in the book when she has her child she is about 14 she's young and this is her second child and whole point behind this is that her father, that we, we know he's her father at the, or stepfather, no, father at times. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know that he's actually not her real biological father, but that doesn't come out to later. So you get to spend the whole book and movie thinking that this is her real father, and it's fucking nasty. So he sort of, he rapes her because I guess the mother was sick. But we find out in the book, I'm getting a little off tangent, but stay with me. We It, it makes more sense in the book. Why? Because it talks about when we find out that her husband was lynched, he was a store owner, and I guess white people didn't like that, so they lynched him. He was um, a successful store owner. Yes, successful. You know, it's just this black man trying to do right by himself and his family, and he got lynched for it. So she, like, has a mental breakdown. And this guy comes in, the stepfather, and marries her and sort of takes advantage of this. And then, he, you know, obviously she has a whole bunch of more litter of kids coming out so she's just a wreck she's immensely and emotionally unstable and not all there and he he takes advantage of that so she's like fading i think physically too at this point so that's why he takes up raping Seely. and she is 14 when she has the second child but in the book this is what i was talking about the book um it's the son that she has second the daughter's first. Okay. Where in the movie... I don't think I picked up on that. Yeah, in the movie, and she thinks that he killed the first baby. Says, mm-hmm. like, took it out in the woods and killed it or something. Where in the movie, they say, oh, he sold he sold my son to somebody, whatever. 
Um, so they swap that where she has the daughter second. And then we kind of go through this series of events where Mr. is looking for a new wife because his wife got murdered by her boyfriend. I swear to God, this whole story, <laughs> it screams like a Jerry Springer episode. And I'm not trying yeah. to be disrespectful, but oh my fucking God. <laughs> like, Everybody has boyfriends and girlfriends and kids everywhere. It's and they're just, marrying each other yeah. and then getting back and living with the other one and taking care of that one's kid and this one's kids over there. It's a Jerry Springer episode, just, just to put the least. Um, so, Mr. comes around the house. He wants to... He, he is infatuated with Nettie. The younger sister, but the the father is like, no, nah, you can't have Nettie because I think he was eyeing Nettie for himself. But he's like, mm-hmm. you can have Celie. He's like, you know, she's spoiled and she ain't pretty. <laughs> he straight up says she's ugly. Yeah. It, oh yeah. God. He's like, but but you can have her. Oh, and here's another. They explain better in the book that something happened where she now can't have any more kids. Mm-hmm. They don't really explain that in the movie. Yeah. So that's when he says the sign, like, you can do what you want with her and you don't have to feed or clothe it or something like that. That's what yeah. he means, is that she can't have any more kids, so yeah, get the fucking, I don't know. Uh, but in the movie, it makes it seem, and I think it, it doesn't make it seem like any time has passed since the baby was given away. And also, remember when she sees the baby later on, it's still a, like an infant, kind of. Mm-hmm. And she's already married to Albert. Mm-hmm. But in the book, it's it's a couple years, several years. She's nearly 20 by the time she's married off to Albert. Yeah. But in the movie, she's still like 14 when he married. Why? Why did they do that? I think maybe in the movie it was still a possibility that she was or... In the book, she was 14 when she was married off to him. It's just when it's talked about that she sees this woman with the girl that she knows is no, her No, 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 because it says when they're, when he goes married, she says, I'm near on 20 now. Oh, okay. Yeah, so she's, it's old, she's older, and her, and Nettie is only, like, 15-ish. So, because she's, she's several years, or... 16, 15, I don't know, maybe she's 18, I don't know, she says she's near on 20, so she's closer to 20 than she is 14, because that's, like, they say it outright in the book, that's why I was like, it took me back, because I was like, wait, what? It was like, oh, so why are they portraying her as a 14-year-old in the movie, and then everything that follows him marrying her, it's, uh, it's gross, I don't like it, Hollywood, it's very, you know, Harvey Weinstein, Jerry Epstein of you, I don't like it. She didn't need to be 14. But whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, in the book, uh, there's a scene where... And it's a scene that's in the movie, too, where she's talking about her daughter. Um, or she's talking, she's just talking about her kids in general. And she heard that the daughter was given to the reverend and his wife. Um, or a reverend. She doesn't know which one. And she sees this woman with a child. And I think it makes more sense in the book because if the child's already like six years old that child's gonna look like somebody Mm -hmm. right so it's it's it makes more sense to see a little you know black girl with another black woman and say like that one looks like that one looks like me Mm -hmm. um so anyway but in the in the movie the scene is like the the baby is still maybe a year old i don't know like she's still young because she's checking her diaper, remember that, in the story? Yeah. 
Yeah. So Hollywood's weird. Got it. In the book, she's not that it's any better. She still gets treated like shit. And the whole situation's god awful. Yeah. But you didn't have to throw her being a baby on top of that. But yeah. Whatever. Well, because the whole marriage, he's essentially beating uh, her desire to ask questions out of her. Yeah, beating, raping, you know, physically, emotionally, verbally abusing her, all that stuff. It's just, like, that's the first scene after um, she comes to the house. She gets hit in the head with a rock by Arbo. uh, Mm -hmm. And then he's just straight to doing his business as she says yeah on her you see her head wrapped and there's blood coming out the yeah eyes. and her head's just hitting against the bed the headboard mm. but it, whatever so i think the beginning is is pretty the same uh nettie does come to stay with Celie and mister because uh, like we alluded to the father was trying to get with nettie now and she's like mm-hmm. i'm not having this i won't go to school uh, so she goes to stay with Celie. The thing is, in the movie, they make this so dramatic. And I don't I don't fault it. I think it is dramatic. But in the book, it's very much like... Uh, she's, Celie says that they're in bed, her and Mister. And Mister's like, well, I think it's time for Nettie to go. She's like, oh, no. And then the next day, she's like, okay, bye. All right. Yeah. Love you. Only death could keep me from writing you. You know, and they yeah. and she leaves. But yeah. in the movie, it is, like, traumatic. Oh, yeah. The whole, like, he tries to... I think she, he, he, he basically tries to rape Nettie as she's on her way to school. And then Nettie hits him with her belt of books mm-hmm. in the junk. And then he comes yeah. back and he's like, get your shit off my, get off my house, my land, get out of here. And like he's throwing literally rocks. throwing her stuff out on the road, throwing her out on the road yeah. and kicking her and all Beating this Beating them stuff. and they're screaming and crying. It's just really hard to watch. I will say this, though. I think what Spielberg did there in the screenwriters for that scene, it does give it more oomph. Because mm-hmm. in the book, it is very much like, okay, bye. I'm going to yeah. really miss you. This sucks. Now I'm all by myself. So I, I think they did. It was a good change, which we don't really say too often <laughs> this podcast. Yeah. Uh, okay, so now in the movie, this is the point where we kind of transition into the middle um, where Nettie's gone, Celie goes into the house, starts reading, and then it sort of does this transition. And it's actually like the cover of the movie poster where she's sitting in the chair reading the shadow of her. Um, and now she's older. So now we get Whoopi Goldberg Seely when before mm-hmm. we had little Seely. Um, she comes out, I think it's been seven years or something like that at this point. Um, mm-hmm. She's kind of in the routine. But now this is where Suge Avery comes into the picture in the movie. Where in the book, Seely knew about Suge before. She knew exactly who she was. Yeah, and she'd seen a picture of her, and she just uh, talks a lot about how she wants to meet her. Yeah, she's, and that's where you get the beginning of this sort of infatuation with Celia and Shug, because she's looking at these pictures of her, and she's like, wow, she's beautiful. Yeah. I love her. Glamorous. <laughs> yeah, so she's she's got, like, her first crush that she's got on Shug coming on. Um, mm-hmm. But in the movie, so, uh, Mister's going out to go see Shug. She's playing at some sort of... Um, 
bar. I don't know what you call it. They had some name for it. Jukebox. Mm, juke joint? Juke joint, yeah. Like some, <laughs> like, in the woods uh, bar. Comes back with Shug. Drunk. Beat down. Mm-hmm. Not doing well. Um, and Shug's like, man, you ugly. <laughs> you ugly. Because <laughs> so, so Celia's like, oh, man, like, I really... I, you know, I'm happy to see her, but she just called me an ugly bitch. And I, it's kind of sad. <laughs> but here's something. There's a lot in the book, uh, or in the movie, I should say, that they don't portray about Albert, which I was surprised when I started reading this book. Because, first of all, when she first gets there, he stops working. Like, he just becomes a lazy asshole. Oh, yeah. He's sitting, sitting on the porch. Yeah. yeah. In his so, rocker. So it's it's really just Harpo and Celie that are, are working out in the fields and stuff. And he's like, whatever. So fine. We hate him. He's mean to Celie. He's kind of a douchebag. And now he's a lazy douchebag. But when it comes to the part with, with Suge in the book, remember, the reason he goes and gets her is because they're sitting in church. And the preacher is knows that Suge is in town and her band or whatever. And this is what's going on at this juke joint. And he's just talking mad shit about her. Mm-hmm. And saying that she's here, nobody will take her in because she's got that nasty woman's disease and blah, blah, blah. And they, so when they leave church and go back to the house, um, Mr. Albert, he leaves the house and he's gone for a couple days. And then he comes back with Shug. And mm-hmm. I think at one point, I forget where this is in the book, but Celie, she kind of asked the question, but not outright. Because if she asked a direct question, he'd probably beat her. But it was, about, it was really about like, well... Why did, why did you go get her? Because he asked, like, oh, do you not like her being in the house? She's like, no, I want her here, but why did you go get her? And he said, because, you know, she deserves better than that. Like, nobody would help her. Like, she's... Mm-hmm. So, like, you have this man who's not a great guy, but he loves this woman. And he wants to take care of her. So he does something that I think is, I don't know. I think we should acknowledge it. Well, in the movie, they also portrayed his interactions with Celie in one way, and then his interactions with Suge another. Like so, it it's almost like the roles are reversed when he's with Suge, because Suge is the very dominant personality in that relationship. Mm-hmm. She bosses him around. He bows down to her. He does whatever she wants. He he almost cowers at mm-hmm. certain points. Whereas when he's with just Celie, it's the other way around. She's the one that's getting the abuse and and all that other stuff. Not to say that Suge was, like, abusing him. She was just a more dominant personality. Yeah, she was just like, get the fuck out of here. I don't want none of that. He was like, oh, sorry. Um, But, yeah, so another thing with that, though, is when he brings her in the house in the movie, I had to question this after reading the book because it portrays him like, oh, I got my girlfriend in the house. Yeah, I'm so excited. Ooh, shook, ooh, shook. But that really wasn't it. He was just, like, happy to have her there and take care of her. And she was, don't get me wrong, she was cranky. Mm-hmm. And Celia is the one that sort of brought her out of her shell and, and helped her. Um, but, yeah, it's, it just felt different, right? Or am, am I just... Yeah. Okay. No. No, you're right. Like, it wasn't a skeezy... As it is in the movie. Yeah. That is in the book. Yeah. So, Suge's there, and now we get the, the interactions between Celie and Suge, where she's kind of nursing her back to health, feeding her, you know, bathing her. And, obviously, this brings a lot of, like, um, 
she's naked, right? <laughs> she's giving her a bath. She's doing stuff. So there's comments coming around like, you never seen a naked woman? She's like, well, no. Um, and their, their relationship starts to, I guess, blossom from there. Maybe it's a word where they're getting closer. Um, they're, they're finding a, a kinship between each other there. It, I wouldn't say anything is sexual by any means. It's more just they're finding parts of each other that they can relate to and finding yeah. like, yeah, they're finding safety in that. Um, when Suge starts singing at Harpo's juke joint, because that's open now, because we've kind of skipped over the whole Harpo and Sophia. We talked about it a little earlier. I think for the most part, it's kind of the same. Um, yeah. The, the movie makes it seem like I understand that there's a period of time that, elapses between the first time they get physical with each other until the time she actually leaves. But the book, I think, explains a little bit more about how long this was actually going yeah. on. I don't know an exact time frame, but Sophia's at the point where she's like, I've fucking had enough. I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to be with a man who's going to keep beating me like this. Yeah. And it also it's seems just... like they had more than three kids. Yeah, five. Like, way more than three kids. Five kids, yeah. And another yeah. thing, they reverse the births. Um, they have a son first, not a daughter. In the movie, they mm-hmm. have a daughter first. But in the book, they have... I, I just... It, people are like, who cares? I, nobody. I just find it strange where they're like, you know what? I, I feel like the birth order is all wrong. We gotta fix that. Like, it's just a weird <laughs> it's thing. A really... Yeah, it's a really <laughs> strange thing to change. Yeah, so not three, five. They have five when she leaves. Um... But then Sophia has a sixth child with somebody else that I guess Harpo thought was his. Yeah. Because he makes a comment later, like, well, got, I got six kids by this, or six babies by this one. She's like, five. He's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Jerry Springer. Yeah. <laughs> um, also during this time with the Sophia thing, when she does leave, there's an interaction she has with the white mayor and his wife that lands her in prison. And for a while, and then they get her out, and she has her punishment essentially is like to go be the maid. She's an indentured servant. Yeah, so here's the thing in the book, her spirit, I, I mean, she's definitely like down. But she's not broken like they show her in the movie. You, you see her and it's like she's a husk of a person. That's not the case. There's another thing about the whole Sophia thing with the the mayor, though. Uh, Mm. I just wanted to say this real quick. In the movie, it seems more like she is sent there to be a companion to the mayor's wife. Yeah. Whereas in the book, she's definitely a maid. And then it seems like her primary role is to care for the children. Children, yeah. Yeah. And the, the the littlest girl is closest to her. And it's one of those relationships where, like, the little girl likes her, but she, Sophia, just tolerates her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that even the the mayor's wife is sort of like afraid of Sophia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's the thing: I get what they're trying to show in the movie, where like how this society and culture and the systemic racism and the persecution and oppression, everything that's still going on. You know, it, like we still got Jim Crow laws, right, and all that shit going on down there. Like it's bad. It's bad down there, but. I think it does a discredit and a disservice to Sophia as a character 
because she this did not break her. It mm-hmm. sucked, but she still had this, like, fuck them, like, that kind of attitude. Yeah. Where in the movie, like, oh, she's a broken woman now. Where, okay, yeah, I would, I'm not going to disagree that she's not a broken woman, but she's not just beat down into nothing. So, I, I don't know, I think Sophia's a much stronger character in the book, and I think the movie is, like, almost superficial where they show her like they almost give her this angry black woman feel which i think is also kind of not cool where it's deeper she's more than that i think also the movie does a really good job especially towards the end because there are times uh, especially after she's in prison that she's working for the mayor and his wife and stuff like that where she is she appears broken. Like you said, she's not actually broken, but it's because of the support of the, like, acquired family. The Jerry Springer actually, family, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that she's able to come back to what she was. And, yeah. And be, be the person who she truly is. Yeah, that was... I agree with you. In the movie, they show that well, but if I would never have read the book, I think I would never have found an issue with that mm-hmm. at all but after reading her character i'm like oh man yeah she's not like that yeah like even after everything that she went through all the shitty stuff she was still like fuck the man like <laughs> yeah the only thing the only thing in the book is that she realizes okay maybe now is a good time to keep my mouth shut a little bit yeah she grows yeah yeah we call that growth she but... still has the thoughts though yeah, the, but the, yeah. that's what I loved about it. Is she's still thinking it, and then every now yeah. and then, if she could get the little bit of like, she knew nobody was listening, or even if she knew someone was kind of listening, but she'd yeah. get away with it, she'd still come out and say something shitty. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. yeah. <sighs> but you know, another thing if we're going to talk about characters and the way they're portrayed in the book, and the well, the way they are in the book and the way they're portrayed in the movie is silly. In the movie, we see Celia as, like, this very mousy, meek, scared... And I'm not saying she's not that in the book, but it borderlines on the point where... Almost like she's stupid. Maybe a little simple. Yeah. Where, in the book, the author goes through a lot of lengths. Like, no, Celia's smart. Mm -hmm. She's smart. She just was dealt the worst of hands. That's really all it is. Um... And she is, she's, she's maybe not book smart because she wasn't allowed to continue on with the education, but she's smart enough to know that, well, um, I know I'm going to get beat if I do this, so I'm not, but I'm going to tell God about what a dick he is. Like, not God, but Albert. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she, she, she's very aware of everything and she knows exactly what's going on to the point, like to a limited perspective, but she's not dumb. No, like when uh, Albert's dad comes over and he's talking shit about shit. She spits in his drink and says, here you go. I know, we get a little bit of that in the movie, yeah. Yeah, but in the movie she's standing there and it's almost like I felt like she was going to speak out and be like, oh, don't drink that, that glass is dirty. Mm -hmm. Or something stupid like that, but then she lets him go through with it anyway. But in the book it's just like, here's your drink and drinks it Mm -hmm. and then next time I'm going to put some of Suge's pee in there and see how he likes it. Yeah, she's definitely got more bite to her in the book, yeah. which we we see towards the end of the movie, which we're going to get into. But 
I feel like we didn't need to watch her for two hours as like uh, that hollow of a character. You know, like... Well, even in the way she carries herself, her back is perpetually hunched. Mm -hmm. She's looking down at the ground all the time. She's just very, very meek. Yeah. But she has some pretty open conversations with Sophia and Harpo um, Mm -hmm. and the other characters that come along that she knows aren't going to beat her. So she's Mm -hmm. definitely smart. Like, she knows that... Yeah, whatever, Harpo, you lazy ass bitch. Like, like, yeah. (laughs) Not that she says that, but she has these interactions where she's definitely more open and um, sharp with her tongue. So, yeah. Anyway. So, the the underlying story here, though, throughout, is that Celie is separated from her sister. So, we get these clips. And how we get these clips of the sister now is that Suge finds one of the letters. Or she gets the letter out of the mailbag. Which I think is what happens in the book, too. Um Never in the book does Mr. say to Celie that she can't get stuff out of the mailbox. But he says it in the movie. I think it's just more implied. Like, that's not, you're not supposed to touch that in the book. Mm -hmm. Where in the movie he's like, don't you ever touch it. And I'm going to rig it so I know if you touch it. Which is like a lie, you know. Um, So, Mr. Albert, he is taking all the letters that Nettie is sending. And he's hiding them. And Celie has no idea. But Shook, every time that she's been over throughout the years, has, like, every now and then is seen... In the book, she calls it letters with the weird stamps. Because mm-hmm. they're international stamps. Um, or, or I think they're uh, British colony stamps, right? Because it's got the yeah, queen on Yeah, the them. queen mother is on them. Yeah. So, she makes comments, and I think at one point when she's there with her new husband, this happens later, she comes back after leaving, and she's got a new husband. Um Mr. and the new husband are start getting drunk and they're sort of out of it. Then they, I think they go off to the juke joint and she gets the mail and she's like, Oh, this is, this is to Celie. So she gives Celie the letter uh, and opens it and it's a letter from Nettie. But at this point, obviously it's been years. I think we're talking like 20 something years. So mm-hmm. I think Nettie's talking about, Oh, well, I've, since I haven't heard from you, I know that, he's hiding them or you think I'm dead. But so I just write on Christmas and Easter now, maybe he'll be the holiday spirit or maybe he'll, the letter will get lost in the holiday greetings and whatever. So, and she starts talking about how she's going to come home soon from Africa. Um, and there's some more in the, in the letter too, but essentially what it leads to is now Celie knows that Nettie has been writing to her this entire time and Shug helps her. They distract the men, they get them to go somewhere, and they now search the house. This is essentially what happens in the movie, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's really the same thing. Yeah. Um, so now they, they search everywhere. They find the letters, like, in a trunk or something. And what they do is, in the book, they go into more detail, where they talk about how they steam the letters to open them, take the letters out, close the envelopes, and put the envelopes back into the trunk. Where I think in the movie they just take the letters and yeah. they start sorting them. Either way, whatever. Um, and they, they start to sort them in order. So now in the book, we transition from the dear God to the letters back and forth from Celie and Nettie. So now we're getting Nettie and Celie's, Celie and Nettie's perspectives because we're getting the letters that are from Nettie to Celie. And Nettie is describing how, you know, she's found the family, which in the book, if you remember, Celie knew the family. She told Nettie to go to them. 
Yeah, I think it was after she'd already seen the woman in town with with her daughter. Yeah, so that's and why she goes go to these people because it's the only black woman I've ever seen that had any money. Yeah, so that so Nettie goes there. They take her in. They're real a great family, and through a series of events, she ends up going on a mission with them to Africa. And she's with this tribe, and the kids are there, and it's it's great. So you're getting this story about the kids growing up in Africa, and and what's going on there. And obviously, it, it it's a it's a cool way of how the author's showing that like shitty stuff is happening here in America with you know these black families and, and black women and and the oppression that's happening. But like shitty stuff is still happening over there too. You're talking yeah. about the colonization and the road coming in and destroying everything and et cetera, The et cetera. rubber plantation. Yeah, yeah. So now you're getting this back and forth and you're getting these sort of like parallel stories of oppression and sort of just shitty circumstances, but in different degrees. And obviously Nettie being with the mission over there, um, she doesn't have a bunch of white people telling her she can't do stuff, but at the same time, like, they're still oppressed, even if it's not explicit it's still there because you have the plantation owners of the rubber plant the plantations and you have the road coming in etc 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 and then obviously they're dealing with the tribes which Nettie starts to go into detail in the book about how like yeah these tribes are still selling people to slavery Mm -hmm. and these are the ones that essentially sold you know us in quotation marks um so she's talking about how like they're kind of shitty too, like, and they're backwards, and they don't treat women right over there. So you're getting oh, they like did the the mutilation. Yes, the, they don't the say female... it. Yes, the female yeah. circumcision. They don't say it outright, but it is enough that you can read between the lines, and you're like, it's an initiation. Yeah, yeah, the cutting. I'm like, oh no, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we get that, but now in the movie. In the book, too, but I feel like in the movie it's more pronounced because Celia was still a strong character mostly throughout the book. So this is she's mm-hmm. just becoming more outwardly strong, where mm-hmm. in the movie it seems like she's having this full transformation where she's so fueled by anger and rage at Albert that she's, like, starting to take more risks with things. Um, and then there's that scene where she almost cuts his throat with the razor. Mm-hmm. I really like how they did that in the movie where they had the sort of juxtaposition between... Um, her and the tribe doing the ceremony. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. cool. Uh, so there's a dinner where everyone's there. Shook Sophia. It's like we're we're 20 years in the future now from where we started, and everyone's sitting around the table. And Shug is about to leave again because she comes and goes. She's like this nomad in the story where she's like, "I'm coming. I'm going to stay for six months, but I think it's time for me to go." And I'm like. Is that normal back then? Does somebody just come and stay up in your house for like a year and then be like, oh, you know what? It's probably time for me to go. Like, bitch, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> for a musician, maybe at that I time. I guess, I guess. But yeah. it's just it's so natural for them. Also, it's Jerry yeah. Springer. I feel like the only thing they were missing was a trailer. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I guess they didn't have those. They had an outhouse. Yeah. So maybe that counts. They're uh, not white trash, so. That's true. They're not white trash. <laughs> So, Shug leans over during this dinner. I think it's like Christmas dinner, maybe, or Thanksgiving. Who cares? Or Easter or something. Something, whatever. It's a holiday dinner. She leans over and says, hey, you know, it's about time for me to go. And he's just like, oh, okay, whatever. And she goes, and I'm taking Seely. He's like, mm-hmm. the fuck you is? Like, what? <laughs> no, you're not. And that's where Seely 
opens up because he kind of starts going to her like, like what? What aren't you happy about now? Like what's the problem? She's like, Cause you, I, where is this? I love this line so much, where she's like, Cause you low down dirty dog. That's why. Um, yeah, she says you a low down dog is what's wrong. I say it's time to leave you and enter into the creation, and your dead body is just the welcome mat I need. Because <laughs> he says over my dead body, and that's where yep. she says she's like. It's like, that's just the welcome I need. I'm like, get it. Get it. I think this well, was... Yeah. His father wasn't there in the book. No. But he was in the movie. And I don't understand why. I don't think that the situation needed to be egged on any by him. Yeah, the father I didn't think she had, she had more than enough fuel and fire to just unload on him. Maybe it was like for a little com- comedic relief. Because that's, I think, the only thing it brought in was him just like the peanut gallery in the back there or maybe to show how weak albert actually is yeah yeah because his his father keeps calling him weak and anytime his father scolds him you could see him kind of like slouch down a little bit or yeah punch or it's almost like he was waiting to get hit he might that might have grown up like that because that's yeah. the big thing what suge says why she never married him because she's like she loved him she never denied that i don't think she ever stopped loving him but she's like no. he's weak i didn't yeah. want a weak husband so yeah and that just proves how like strong a character she is that she's like i love this man but i do not need this man yeah. you know so and even at that time that was great but this is a part i think as a young girl and then watching it as a young woman and even now where i think it really spoke to me because you have these women all sitting around these table with these men that have just treated them like garbage and have done so mm-hmm. wrong by them and this world around that has done so wrong by them but they're still like mm, yeah you can get fucked I don't I don't really care what you think Sophia's there Harpo starts to talk about something and Celia's like yeah you know what Sophia wouldn't be like this if you hadn't beat her and he's like no that's not true and Sophia's like yeah it is yeah it is <laughs> like I'm exactly where I am because of you yeah. Squeak, Squeak who's there the other female character she's like yeah, yeah you know what I'm going too I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a singer. I'm going to do my own thing. He's like, what? So you have all these women that are just coming up like, yeah, fuck this. We're out. Like, we've done it. Yeah. We've done it long enough, but don't care. Where you would think, if, okay, this, this is not to man hate. I'm not taking out a soapbox. But my personal take on this is that I think if you had a man in that type of situation where he spent 30, 40 years of his life just being beat down and broken... That's a broken person right there. Mm-hmm. Where you have these women where there is no light at any t- at the end of any tunnel for them. And they're still like, nah, I'm good. I'm done with this. Y'all yeah. get fucked. Because he's yelling at her like, you ugly. You you can't sing. You can't talk. You can't do that. You stupid. She's like, yeah, maybe all of those things. But I'm here. So here I go. That- I think that might be, yeah, women are much more likely to lean on each other in mm-hmm. situations like that, whereas men just tend to keep to themselves. Yeah, because you did. You had this support yeah. system there where they're like, no, we're going to, we're out of this. We're done. Now is my favorite. It still is. And that day. is why I think so many abusers try to isolate the people yeah. that they're abusing. Yep, it is. And he thought he was doing that by keeping her sister from her. No. Nope. But, mm-mm. She, she your girlfriend became her friend, like, <laughs> yeah, which, which is not like a, a unique story. That's something, how many ex-wives or ex-wives and baby mamas or ex-girlfriends and new wives become like best friends. I see it all over TikTok. 
Yeah. And they show, like, the ex-wife coming over, hanging out with the new wife, and the husband's like, yeah. oh, for fuck's sake. Like, yeah, that's what we do. Like, <laughs> 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 um, big thing, though, in the, to wrap this up, though, is the end, is I think I alluded to this earlier where Albert, they really just made this insta-villain, which he kind of was, but he had a lot of redeeming qualities where he really was just, like Shook said, he was a weak man. Um, but I, he, everyone in this story has their own demons and he himself redeems himself because when Suge goes on her final hooray with this younger guy and kind of leaves Celie behind for a little bit, um, Celie and Mr. Like they're friends, they're hanging out on the porch, you know, and they're having these conversations where he's like, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. And they're, they're doing stuff together. He's taking care of her. She's taking care of him. She's got her own house because she found out that her father is not her father. But her mother left all this stuff to her. So she got this new house, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, same thing in the book and the movie. Um, and he actually asked Celie in the book to marry him again. Which, I don't think they ever were divorced. No. But I think he meant like, like let's just get married for well, real. <laughs> Well, he said in the book something not just in body, but also in spirit. Yeah, because they're close. And she's like, I like you better as a friend than a husband. Yeah, He's like, Well, and I I think (laughs) a lot of his growth, it's it's not just going from being weak to being strong. It's transitioning from being selfish to selfless. Because Mm -hmm. at the beginning, he's only doing things in his own interest. Whereas at the end, he's starting to do things just for the sake of, you know, making somebody happy or being with somebody or making somebody more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And I I, I like that in the book where he he had this full arc. Not to say that he does not have an arc in the movie because they create this scenario where something needs to be paid off to immigration so her sister and kids can come back, um, which he pays off, which is cool. That doesn't happen in the book. Um, they get home just fine on, on their own. Uh, mm-hmm. But all of the characters sort of have like this full arc where, you know, they're all their demons. They're dealing with each other's demons. They're t- dealing with society's demons. They hit sort of rock bottom. They kind of get back up. And then they end where they're supposed to be. And not end, mm-hmm. like literally end, but, you know, Sophia and Harpo are back together. They're running that, that juke joint together. Um it's definitely more equal, I would say, the, the relationship they have, the way they interact, even though it still gets a little, like, volatile. And then Sophia's like, I'm just, he makes me tired. <laughs> I love it. She's like, <laughs> like, I love him, but fuck, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. um, and then you have, like, Squeak and Shug's husband, ex-husband, whatever. They start going together and somebody's got somebody else. It, it's Jerry Springer. It's Jerry Springer, but it's like they, happy ender, happy ending Jerry Springer. They they go down to Panama and grow pot. Yeah, like it's the, so fucking smoking so much reefer. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a lot of Jerry Springer ish going on, but not in the tr- like that trashy of a way. It's just complicated. Um, but then we do end where Nettie makes it back with her now husband, which is a reverend, which. Honestly, read the book if you want to understand what happened there. Um, and the two children and her son's wife, which is Tashi, which is the little girl from the tribe. And she's not a little girl anymore. I, I, sorry. <laughs> she's a grown woman. <laughs> Just yeah. when they were children together. Yeah. Um, and that is where we end off in the movie where it, the reunited 
Um, and mind you, all the characters, too, have become successful. Celia's has this, like, pant company, which, if you read the book, I'm not going to ruin it. If you read the book, it explains why she starts making these pants, and it is fantastic because mm-hmm. every woman needs this in their life. But <laughs> yeah. read the book if you want to understand why she starts making the pants. But anyway, <laughs> so here we are. It's a total, they're reunited. It's amazing. Um, and it's, I think, probably one of the most emotional endings to a movie that you can have. And Jackie Hence experienced that crime. firsthand. Yes. Which, when Jackie told me that she'd never seen this movie, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, my God. Are you ready for this? I should have just handed you a box of tissues before we started, but I wasn't thinking. <laughs> I probably could have used it. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Big thing, though, wanted to just take one go back. Uh... The storyline in the movie where the preacher is Suge's dad and they're kind of estranged, that's not in the book. And I and I don't know why they did a movie. Maybe they just wanted something more dramatic with Suge, but I'm like, she's got a lot of drama. Like, I don't really think she needs much more, but okay. Yeah. So. She's got three kids she never gets to see because. Yeah. Whatever. Her par- yeah. It, it made for a cool scene with the church and everything, but... Yeah. That's that. Okay. I will go first. Uh, the book, I'm going to get four out of five. And it's a very quick and easy read. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Obviously, my fives are like, you got to rocket me to the moon for fives. Um, but I... I'm a little hesitant to go much higher because the language used in the book, it would take me out of it every now and then. Because I'm like, wait, what the fuck? What? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, when I have to go yeah. reread a sentence three times just to understand what's happening, like, ugh. but that, it really, I'm not going to grief on the book for that because she did it for a purpose. I just, I'm ignorant to it. I just don't, I didn't understand some of it. That's all. Movie, uh, 10, always a 10. It will never not be a 10, even with reading the book now. 10. Uh, For my reviews, and Mel, I would just like to say that I think this is the first time that we actually agree. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. We have the exact same ratings. Mm -hmm. Movie, definitely a 10. If a movie can make me cry like that, and it's not because I just lost two and a half hours of my life... (laughs) Then it deserves a ten. It's like that deep chested cry too, where you almost like wanna yeah. like wail a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like that one review said, they were leaning against the chair in front of them just openly sobbing. Yeah, sometimes you just yeah. gotta let it out. It's okay. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. And the book also a four out of five. Uh, it was kind of difficult. I will say yes, the language. I didn't even think about that. But also the dialogue. Sometimes I would have to go back the dialogue mm-hmm. that wasn't dialogue and go back and be like, okay, who's talking now? And yeah, did they actually say that or or what's going on? But yeah, because it, yeah. it's Seely being like, and then he said, but you know, she said, and it's it's probably not even accurate. It's just Seely retelling. Yeah. How she remembers a conversation. Yeah. So who knows what was said. Yeah. But this, this, yeah. Thank you. This was an excellent selection. I applaud you, Mel, for this. Yay. I'm going to hate you next week. I know. I'm sorry. 
We're going to do The Exorcist. So, read, watch, or DNF, Jackie? Uh, both, absolutely. Do it all. You, you lose <laughs> nothing um, at all by doing both. And it doesn't matter what order you read it in, I don't think. Yeah, it really does do it in. Yeah. yeah. I think you can read and then go watch, watch, and read. Because the changes that they make are don't detract from the story at all and like I said there's some changes that they did in the movie which I thought were fantastic and I enjoyed Mm -hmm. it Um, so I say all of the above except for the DNF like definitely finish watch and read um, and have a good time enjoy it appreciate it and and just be mindful that this is a story and content that maybe doesn't resonate with everyone and, and, and that's okay like don't feel bad if you don't like it it's okay yeah but give it a try. Yeah. <sighs> All right. So Jackie loves me this week. She will absolutely hate me next week because we are doing The Exorcist. Yeah. I know it's weird. We're going all over the place this month. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then it doesn't like- really let up because we we roll into Stephen King's birthday, which we're going to dedicate. Uh, he's in September, and we're doing... But we're not doing, like, Stephen King horror. We're doing Stephen King, like, the Green Mile. That's not until October. Yeah, when we do Cujo and The Shining. Pet Cemetery. I think the Pet Cemetery is going to be the one that sets you over the edge, Jackie. Yeah. And we, but we do have a break in October, don't we, Jackie? We, we are yes, take yes a break. we do. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, um... Shall I share why we have a break? Yeah, let's do it. Let's share the yeah. news. Go for it. Uh, Mel B is is getting hitched. I'm, get, I'm making it official. Yeah, I'm making him make an honest woman out of me. Yeah, I know everyone's like husband. I thought she's already married. Yeah, we've been together a long ass time. But I wanted to get married on a Disney ship, so we're having a, a wedding there. To yeah, make it official. Yeah, but we're partying first at Disney. We're World. partying hard. Yeah. So we're probably going to have about two weeks in October where we're off. Um, so, Mo, this is for you. You're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you know, until then, then, with The Exorcist, yeah. uh, goodbye. Bye.